Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I share my keynote from the UVU MTech K16 Counselor Conference titled The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Preparing Students for the Future of Work. Thank you for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be with you. And uh, my time with you is very short today. uh, So I just wanna share a few ideas. Uh, I I put my slide deck in the chat, so feel free uh, to pull that up. I'll share my screen here in just a moment. Um, But if you want the slide deck, and I may or may not actually have time to get to everything uh, that I had prepared for today. Today, uh, as Andrew mentioned, uh, I, I just wanted to pull out a few of the ideas from my recent book, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, and focus on preparing students for the future of work. Uh, really quick, I don't want to take time, um, a lot of time on this, but I am rather proud of my family. So here, here is uh, my family. We're, we're located here in Orem. We just live a mile north of UVU campus. Uh, my wife is a math professor. I am a business professor. We have six beautiful children, ages 17 to seven, and uh, it's a wonderful place to be, and they enrich my life greatly. And I think um, most of you um, can resonate with with that as a as something that we're striving for. And and I think as we prepare our students for the future of work, we're trying to consider uh, the conditions that they'll be in when they're trying to. Uh, find success in their adult lives and and with their families and future partners and and things like that. To frame the discussion today, I just wanted to lay out four basic questions. How do we prepare our students for the future of work? Uh, why is it both why is both technical and education uh, excuse me, both technical education and university education important? How can we help students prepare and develop the skills for that future of work? and how can we stay motivated? Uh, as we're working in this new environment uh, sprung upon us by COVID, uh, but also just as we continue to see shifting technological advancements that are going to be changing the nature of work in the future anyways. Uh, Many people have asked me why I chose the word alchemy uh, for the title of my book. And it really resonated with me because it's this the medieval forerunner of chemistry, this this mixture of the art, speculative philosophy, physical sciences. In my mind, it just had this kind of, this magical, almost supernatural component to it. And the, the basic idea is that we're trying to take something precious, something that's already good and building upon it and making it into something even more valuable, even more precious. And I think that's what the educational endeavor is all about. Uh, both for us professionally, we're trying to do that for ourselves, but we're trying to uh, more importantly do that for our students. 
and lay out a path where they can find great success in their future. To start, uh, I, I begin in my book just exploring this idea of technological innovations, disruptive technologies, and how the nature of work has shifted uh, dramatically over the past 50 years. I don't want to go into any depth on this, but it doesn't take much more than just some a little bit of an imagination and reflection to think back to how things were for previous generations. And even in our adult lives, how things have shifted, you know, say over the last 10 or 20 years. I've been a professor now for 12 years, and what I do today as a professor is already quite a bit different than what I did when I started at UVU in 2009. Uh, and that those shifts are going to only continue, and that's just in one sector, in one industry. Uh, what we're preparing, trying to prepare our students for is a new type of organization, a new type of um, workplace and really a new world that they're going to have to engage in in a meaningful way in order to find success and happiness and joy in their life. Uh, so here's just a handful. There's there's a lot of different types of disruptive technologies and emerging technologies that are driving automation and um, other things that are going to displace some of the types of work that we've done in the past or, or elements of some of the types of work that we've done. And that's disrupting labor markets and it's disrupting organizations in the very nature of how uh, they go about doing their business. Uh, of course, robotics aren't new, electric cars. I, I very proudly drive, um, you know, my family drives two Nissan Leafs and, and uh, you know, that's a kind of a cool thing, but the more and more people are doing that. Uh, Self-driving cars, uh, pharmacogenetics, quantum entanglement, 3D printing, so on down the list. Artificial intelligence and machine learning is something that get, gets a lot of play these days. Uh, and that's certainly going to change and automate a lot of uh, the things that we do. And you've probably already started to see that some of that in your own work and how technology has started to free up more of your time to focus on those elements uh, that as humans were, were really primed to, to make contributions. So what are those types of skills that are really needed for the future of work? This is taken from the Institute for the Future in uh, their Future Work Skills report in 2020. And you can see on the outer ring, there are these six main macro drivers that are causing shifts in the workplace. We have super structured organizations. So think of these mega corporations, mega corporations, mega organizations. We have globally interconnected world. It's increasingly connected. And the pandemic has only um, further demonstrated that as so many people have been forced to shift to online work. And once you're working virtually, then geographic barriers break down and all of a sudden, you know, there may be time difference, but other than the, the time difference, you can literally interact with anyone anywhere um, and, and do meaningful work and have meaningful projects. So we have this globally interconnected world. We have new media ecology, um, more smart machines and systems and technology that's assisting our work and even displacing some of our work. We have demographic shifts and trends um, where we don't have, in, in many parts of the world, we don't have replacement fertility rates. We have extreme longevity, people living longer and longer, and we're in an increasingly computational world. So with all of that said, what do we need to do to be able to be successful in the future of work and how do we help our students to do that? And in the middle of this diagram, then you see some of those, those skills that I see as really transferable skills 
Uh, and so it almost doesn't even matter which field or industry you go into, what your major may be within a university setting or a technical school. Uh, ultimately, you're going to have to be able to develop these skills in order to be relevant in the future of work. So cognitive load management, you know, we sometimes we refer to that in terms of bandwidth. How, how much can we handle? And, and things are just complex and things are messy. We have to be able to enhance our cognitive load management. We have to be really highly skilled at virtual collaborations. We need to be very literate with new media, um, social media being a prime example of that, cross-cultural competencies. And I'm going to speak more to that here in just a moment. Uh, novel and adaptive thinking, sense-making, design thinking, and transdisciplinarity. That's something that I find to be very, very important. Interdisciplinary, multidisciplinarity, and transdisciplinarity. That we cannot meet the needs of, a, of a, an increasingly complex world uh, when we take a, a single-prong approach to trying to solve complex problems. So we need to, to look at things holistically. We need to um, get diverse um, thinkers around the table and we have to train students to be able to think that way uh, to not get stuck in in a narrow framing so in one of the first chapters I think it's chapter two of my book I talk about this model of service and leadership and in my mind the most effective and sustainable leaders that drive successful organizations and help uh, their people to achieve their fullest potential those are leaders who are grounded in this this idea of servant leadership and recognizing that they're they're not above their people but they work alongside their people and assist their people and work to develop their people uh, one of the things that i lay out throughout the book is this idea of self-reflection and if we hope to develop our own skills, we have to practice regular mindfulness and self-reflection. As we do that and we know ourselves better, we can know the people we lead and serve better. Uh, if we don't practice self-reflection, then what we in inevitably end up doing is projecting all of our garbage onto other people and uh, we're not truly seeing them or understanding them. The more we understand others, the more we learn about ourselves and it's this ongoing reciprocal process. And within that, uh, framing, once we have that foundation of self-reflection and continual growth, then we develop the skills and the leadership abilities and competencies and capabilities that we need and we practice and we apply them uh, and that provides feedback loops that allow us to learn more about ourselves and others. So it's it's not a uh, it's not rocket science, but it does requ require intentionality and consistency. This isn't something that we are ever going to arrive at or achieve. It's a lifelong pursuit. And that's something that we have to convey to our students on a regular basis. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? 
Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. One of the proverbs that I talk about in the book comes from my time living in South Korea. I've spent an extensive amount of time in in various Asian countries, but South Korea holds a special place in my heart. And they have all of these wonderful idioms and proverbs. Chulamjie comes from Confucius and Buddhist teachings uh, that literally means bluer than indigo. The basic idea here is that, you know, think think about Asian culture and many many Asian cultures, um, they revere uh, seniority, they revere the elders, they revere teachers and those in authority. And so if you have someone who is bluer than, if you're helping someone to become bluer than indigo, that someone is becoming greater than the master, greater than the teacher, greater than the leader. And if I'm a servant leader, that has to be my number one goal, that I'm trying to help my people become and surpass my own capabilities, that they become bluer than indigo. And this all goes back to having a growth mindset. Carol Dweck uh, talked about it in her famous book uh, that many of you may already be familiar with. If we get stuck in a fixed mindset, then there's all these limitations around us. And the truth is we all have limitations. Uh, We all experience different levels of privilege or lack of privilege. And as frustrating as that can be, uh, if, if we want to start making progress into a positive future, we have to look at those things, things that we can control and develop a growth mindset where we know that with tenacity, with gr- some grit and resilience, that over time we can improve and develop ourselves. And then we take that mindset and we convey it to our people uh, that we lead. We need to do the exact same thing with our students. Uh, many of our students come into the university setting or the technical fields and this isn't something that naturally comes to them. They may not have ex- have experienced uh, to, to a great extent in their childhood, um, but they need to learn how to do hard things. They need to learn how to face the challenges in their life and uh, with positivity and then grow uh, from those hard things that they experience and make that, that obstacle in their path into a proverbial stepping stone to launch them into their future. One other quick proverb that I'll just mention before uh, I kind of t- put a book into this and wrap it up is umul ane gegori. This means frog in a well. This is another wonderful Korean proverb uh, that speaks to the importance of diversity. Uh, re- imagine you're at the bottom of a well. You're this frog that was born and raised at the bottom of a well. Your world is so limited. You only know a certain, your whole existence is confined within this well, and you don't even know that there's a world out, outside of that well. And as we grow and we learn and we experience difference and we interact with those who aren't like us, what we start to do is we rise out of the well and we start to realize that there's this whole broad world out there. And in fact, there are many other frogs and other wells all over the landscape that have all come from their own upbringing, their own background, their own social norms and culture uh, and values and beliefs. And our job 
is to help students recognize the value of their upbringing and the richness of, of their own values, but also recognize how other people from very different walks of life, different backgrounds, different perspectives, how they bring their values to the table as well. And at a minimum, we need to be able to learn how to respect that and be able to work uh, effectively with people who have very different uh, ways of understanding the world than we do. And this leads into this idea of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Uh, in the diversity wheel, wheel here, you see those different layers of diversity. And it's like an onion that you're pulling back, the layers. And it's not just those obvious things on the surface that we can see, but it's all, the, all of these other things that lie deeper within a person that we can only know once we really interact with them. And the challenge for leaders and the challenge for our students is to get beyond just diversity thinking and just equity and inclusion, but truly trying to create a society and, and organizations where we have, where the Venn diagram meets and where we have this sense of belonging, uh, where everyone knows that they're valued, they're needed, they're wanted, they have an opportunity to meaningfully engage and contribute. That's where that's where the value from diversity and inclusion comes from. And if we don't get to that step, then we're, we're, um, we're leaving a lot on the table. So my, my time with you has been super short and I wish we could go into more depth. But as we come back to these uh, initial questions, how do we prepare students for the future of work? We help them become increasingly comfortable with diversity and inclusion. We help them to work effectively and collaboratively collaboratively with others. Uh, we help them embrace the beauty of the world around them and embrace the technologies that are out there that are going to assist them as they prepare for their future. We need both technical education and university education. Uh, I'll take my own discipline, for example, and human resource management, that's where I teach. Uh, there's a lot of technical skill that's really required of our students. And so we, we teach them in a traditional classroom setting. We teach them in traditional ways, but we also give them a lot of opportunity for experiential learning. And it's that technical experiential learning that will help them to be ready for the workforce. That makes them shovel ready to go out there once they graduate and make an immediate contribution. The best way we can help our students prepare and develop skills for the future of work is to first start with ourselves, to recognize where we're at, uh, practice meaningful self-reflection on a regular basis, and then we, from there, we're going to uh, have a clearer mindset in how we can help our students move into the future. This last question, how can we stay motivated um, working in this, this current COVID environment and for this new normal that we're going to find ourselves in? The reality is nobody likes change. The reality is people like consistency. They like certainty. They don't like being in a lot of turmoil and upheaval as we've experienced this past year. Um, but whether we like it or not, it's happening. This The COVID pandemic has only accelerated us towards these shifts that we were already starting to see towards the future of work. Um, we're embracing more and more virtual work. We have to be able to um, grow into that ourselves and we have to help our students be prepared uh, for that future reality otherwise we're going to be doing them a huge disservice 
with that, I, I believe I'm out of time. Um, I didn't have enough time to really go into more depth, but I welcome any questions. I would love your feedback on the book. When you get a chance to read through it and think about some of the, the ideas there, feel free to reach out to me at john.westover at gmail.com. And thank you so much for the invitation to speak with you today. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.